Welcome to Granite Content. So we're doing something a little bit different today, and this is one of a pair of episodes that I'm doing with my friend and fellow podcast producer, podcast consultant, podcast coach, and podcaster, Paula Jenkins. And Paula and I are going to do a double episode, half on Grounded Content and half on your show, which is... Joy of Podcasting. And we're going to talk about actually starting a podcast And I know that it comes up in a lot of the content conversations I have on this show, but we've never actually done a real specific episode about creating a podcast and what it takes and why you should do it. So before we get into that stuff, Paula, tell me a little bit about some of the work that you do so that my audience knows how kick-ass you are and legit. And oh, by the way, I should mention 90% of the reason Paula's on this show is because she's hilarious and 10% is because she's brilliant. So yeah, I've been in this space for seven years. I started my own show back in 2015. And before that, I was a digital producer at ad agencies, really big ad agencies in San Francisco. So I worked on, you probably, I don't know if I've ever, ever talked about this, but Visa, Genentech, Clorox, <laughs> Xbox, like you know these brands. So That's what I've done. And I feel like that really is a great place to come from to then become a podcast producer. It was a pretty natural fit. And now I'm the producer, executive producer, whatever, on the Egg Whisperer show. I've also worked with a couple of others, along with starting a lot of shows, because one of the things I did early on was start up this boot camp, Jumpstart Your Podcast Trademarked. Thank you. And that was a lot of fun. I've helped hundreds of people literally start their shows and then gone on to produce A few key ones. We're going to talk about how to make a podcast. And this is not, we're not going to tell you what microphone to buy or how to set up an RSS feed. This is more of a general conversation. And so the first thing I really wanted to talk about is what are some of the terrible reasons to start a podcast and some of the great reasons? How about everyone told me I should start a podcast? Is that a good reason? You might want to listen to that. If you are the person. Oh, geez. I thought I was being a smart ass. (laughs) (laughs) Let's dig in. (laughs) <laughs> I think you might want to listen. I don't think it's the reason to start. But if people say you are the one that everyone goes to to answer these questions, then maybe that's a good reason because you have a vast area of expertise and you are known as a connector in your industry. And so you may already kind of have that cachet within your industry and people want to hear from you. I think that's a reason to listen or consider a podcast, not a reason to start at one. So one of the things I like to remind people about when they're thinking about starting a podcast is that a lot of people think of podcasts as like top of funnel. And the truth is for most people, what they get with a podcast is really like a depth of connection and engagement rather than a really high number of listens. And so I think that's one way to think about the value from a business proposition of a podcast is what can you do with that? How is that good for you to have that level of deep engagement? And so to me, it's like, this could be a tool for converting people, you know, who are interested into customers, or for serving a community, maybe even post purchase, like, how do we keep them engaged or get them to buy the next thing or involved in the next level of things? Well, and I think that's an excellent point. Because It really is a marketing arm for sure. And I think in the way that I think about it is different orbits. So if you're the brand, you're in the center, whether that's a personal brand or really big brand, whatever. 
and you're doing things that introduce people to you and to whatever it is that you do, and you're thinking of ways to bring them closer and closer. And so is podcasting kind of one of those outer orbits? Probably, because it's usually free, and it's usually something that shows up in search terms. And so it is a way for people to find you. But I also think, and here's a really great place for us to maybe talk about average number of downloads, it is not going to be the wide net that maybe you would get from like digital banner ads or TV ad. Like it's not that because it isn't consumed in the same way. So let's jump into <laughs> average downloads for 30 days. I think it's still around 140 with the decimal right there, 140. I believe if you have, according to Libsyn, which is one of the bigger podcast hosting platforms, if you have something like 140, 150 downloads per episode at 30 days, you're doing better than 50% of all the podcasts. Right. So I feel like, especially when I start to talk to people, I'm very clear to mark those numbers with them. Because if you think that you're going in and even if you've had a blog and you're used to maybe 2,000 page views a month, you've got to recalibrate because it's going to feel, I think when my first show came out, I got I think 29 downloads the first day. And I felt a little bit like, oh, what have I gotten into? But the thing that I think you're pointing out too, Marion, is these people, I mean, you're in their literal head. <laughs> you're literally in their head. <laughs> like you're in their car as they're doing an errand or driving to work. You're, you know, with them when they're out on a walk. Like you as a podcast host and with your show are reaching them and they are spending, you know, I think if you got into marketing lingo, it's that like duration that's so much longer. There's very few other long form things where people will tune in for 45 minutes and get to know you. So it's the deep instead of wide kind of thing. Yeah. And the way I think about it. So if you already have an audience you will probably bring most of that audience with you. I actually heard one person say the biggest predictor of your early podcast downloads is the size of your email list, which makes a lot of sense. But if you are somebody that has a small audience, you don't have a big following, you're probably going to be one of those people who launches in that under 150 downloads per episode. But most of those same people, they maybe are posting on Instagram. And if they got 150 likes on an Instagram post, they would be thrilled. But a like on an Instagram post is literally seconds of engagement. And 150 downloads means that people chose to load that whole episode onto the phone. And you can look at your average listen-through numbers, and they tend to be pretty high. So there's a good chance that those people are spending 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes with you rather than clicking. And so, like you said, it's really a recalibration. So what are some of the first things you think a person should do if they are getting ready to start a podcast? I think they should think about, I mean, the why, for sure. And, and I know you talk a lot about purpose and getting that in order <laughs> of like, why is this something that I am drawn to? And let go of anything of I want to be the next fill-in-the-blank person that you know that podcasts. Joe Rogan, Oprah. Thank you. <laughs> Let go of that and think about, I would argue, the impact and how that podcast ties into your mission in the world. Because I think unless you narrow that down, you know, if you are a single person and you represent your brand, kind of like I am a single person that represents my brand, 
or you're a larger brand, I think unless you can tie it back to something that is important to you and that other people can kind of understand and get their head around, I think it's going to be harder now to break into the marketplace. Like some of these smaller shows, it's this niche audience. And so if you can serve them really well, you don't need millions of downloads. And so getting that purpose really aligned with who you serve, why they would want to listen to something in audio, how you could extend the conversation beyond maybe what's on your website, et cetera. Hone in on that really, really tight because that's going to serve you super well. So for example, Jumpstart Your Joy was meant to be the marketing arm of a life coaching business that I thought I was starting. And I did. Then I pivoted (laughs) into being a podcast producer because I actually love it a lot more. And it does pull in all the expertise I have everywhere about producing and coaching and all that. But the nugget of my own show was wanting to share stories of people who have met with something that is kind of life-changingly difficult and how they choose joy in that moment and the difference that it makes. And the nugget, and I share this when I teach people, is my moment there was when my son was born. It was 56 hours of labor. I was diagnosed with PTSD afterwards. And there was a moment which I knew I had to decide to fight. And I feel like joy was calling to me. So this is the other side of me, (laughs) but, you know, not the producer side of me. But I tap into that and wanting to serve that person in that moment every time I record. But that's my mission, and that's why I do it. And it still serves me, and I like to think that it also still serves an audience. So I think you can try and find that moment for you if you're a solo podcaster and you want to approach this as a professional, or if you're a brand, think about What is the moment that someone is coming to your show and what are they looking for? And don't go too specific, (laughs) then you've got one episode. I love that clarity. And I love thinking about the moment that your audience is arriving. What are they experiencing at that moment that they find you that you want to speak to? That's a new way that I hadn't thought about it. Well, and I think there's some marketing that'll go that way too. Like when I worked on Visa, Obviously, it's everywhere you want to be. So if they did a podcast, it might be about how can you plan for the aspirational moments in your life? Uh, That sounds fun. I would love to listen. But like, I think each brand could narrow it down and working with someone like Marion or myself, dig in and find that thing. Because if you stay superficial or you stay with all the shoulds of, well, I should do it because of this. I should do it because Joe Rogan talks about it. Let go of that stuff because you will not stand out if you're just going to be another version of someone else. I heard on a YouTuber say you've got to be you times two. Like you, you have to dive in and hone in on that. We're still on step one of starting a podcast, but it's the most important step. And you use the word purpose. I use the language a little differently, but I break it into two parts. I call it purpose and point of view, but really they both combine to what you're talking about. And so I think of purpose There's the purpose that you talked about, that moment, that clarity, but there's also the purpose, especially if you're a business, what is it you want to get out of this? And so whether you're a business or an individual, is this self-expression? That's great. Get clarity on that. Do you want to drive traffic? Do you want to sell a book? Do you want to sell a course? Do you want to serve your customers in a certain way? Is there an important message that needs to go out? What is the purpose for your business? What's the sort of practical, pragmatic purpose Because structurally, that will drive a lot of how you design your show and also how you assess what kind of resources you're willing to put towards it. But then the other, you know, what in my system, the second P 
is point of view. And that relates a lot more to what you were talking about. That's who you are and what your message is. What are you talking about? What's that filter that defines what is and isn't appropriate for your show? What are the right guests or right topics? What does your audience expect from you? Because if you don't ask yourself those questions, you may be a charming, charismatic person. And look, like I love the podcast Smart Less, but most of us are not in that position. Most of us are not building that podcast. Most of us are building a podcast that is going to serve some interest or some curiosity or land at that moment that you talked about at a certain moment in your audience's life. Yes. And I think one of the pieces that you just pointed out too, also the part a part of an amazing thing to include in every project plan, every contract you do, and every podcast you embark upon is decide early on what is in and what is out. Because as you heard, I mean, I'm happy to keep using my own self as an example. My why and my approach is deeply personal. I don't care to go into a PTSD story (laughs) at all, really. But in my episodes and on my show, like if you're an audience member, thank you for listening. You probably haven't heard me talk about it much. And it's because it's out, actually. I'm not opening the gates to that. And I bring this up because especially if you watch a lot of influencers, if you listen to some of the big names, you know, (laughs) they share a lot of info about their lives. I'm laughing because I think, is it Brene Brown said like, Yes, you should share some of your personal information, but you don't need to share about your latest Brazilian. Like, that's too much. And that's an extreme version, obviously. But I think deciding because it aligns with your brand and deciding what you want, if especially if you're a solo brand person, what do you want to share? I mean, one of my clients shares very little about her personal life in her show. She has about four or five stories that she cycles through and it relates to her why. And I think those are important because then the audience gets to know why she does what she does. Similar for me, I will share what you all have heard today, but I don't share a lot more about that because I don't want to go there. And I think there's way too many examples of people who will, you know, bust open the barn doors and share it all. You do not have to be that person. And it may be even better for your professional life (laughs) if you're not. And maybe you are that person, right? Also, I mean, okay. there's a, there are podcasts about some very personal things sure, yes. that let you sort of have those conversations that you can't have in other places. So I think it's really like in this show on Grounded Content, many shows will start with the guest coming on and telling their story. We don't really do that. We jump right into ideas, concepts, strategies, tactics. That's what this show is. Other shows, it's really, you know, where were you born? How did you grow up? How did you become what you are? That's not really what this show is. So having that clarity, what's in, what's out, is really smart. Yeah. Like what you're saying there is deciding what's in and what's out grounds your content. Because you also, I mean, another really simple version of that is then as you move out into having a regular show that you're creating weekly, you know when a guest is a fit and when to say yes. You know when, ooh, I like that this person's doing interviews now. I'm going to pitch. Okay, do you just like they're doing interviews or do they fit with your content? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I call it the filter. It's your guest filter, your question filter. You have these filters that you set in place. So we've talked a lot about the first step, which is really understanding what the show is about. And honestly, it's a step that too many people overlook. We have four stages, which are the planning, the recording, 
the editing and the publishing. So we talked about planning. And of course, there's planning. We've talked about the big picture planning. There's going to be planning for each episode and each interview. But let's talk a little bit about the second phase, which is recording. And whether that's a solo or an interview, there's a couple of kind of big picture ways to think about that. Well, I mean, the first thing is to just do it, right? <laughs> like, I think so many people get stuck in trying to figure out the perfect medium, the perfect this or that, even the perfect equipment. I don't want to go into that either. But I think really just making the commitment to start and stay pretty consistent with it is really important. And so with that aside, I would say using whatever technology seems most friendly, really, to you. I mean, there are some ways for sure, some lesser technologies that I might not approach, like conference lines, like, you know, use the tech that's meant for podcasting. And, and I'd say just jump in. You're not going to be great your first interview. <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. You know what I would say for recording, like especially for things like sound quality, you know, so many podcasters are not comfortable with their own voice in the beginning. And there's a really simple thing to do. Put on a pair of headphones, get whatever microphone you're going to use, and actually practice. Like listen to your voice and you'll find the way you address the mic, right? I'm talking really into the mic right now. The way you address the mic, the distance from the mic, the way you control your voice, you have a lot of control over that. And what's great about it is all you need is a pair of headphones and you can practice, listen. And I even really recommend that people I work with find a friend and do a practice interview and do it all the way through. Record it with whatever technology you're going to use. Do your open, do your close. Because what you realize is even if you're good at conversations, there's all these little things you haven't thought of. I remember even with all the years of teaching people how to interview, the first podcast episode I recorded, I got like 40 minutes in and I was done. And I suddenly like had panic that I didn't know how to end it. And it was, thank God it was with Chris Brogan. And I could say like, I just realized I don't know how to end it. And we did like this hilarious thing where I ended up hanging up on him and cutting him off. <laughs> That's brilliant. But yeah, just going through that whole process. And I agree with get started, but I sometimes think get started practicing. Do some practicing. Well, and to that point, I think there's a couple things that I recommend people to do when they prep for, especially an interview. I mean, anymore, almost anyone you're about to interview, you can find audio of them somewhere. And I find it's especially helpful. I don't need to listen to the whole interview, but I like to tune in and listen to how they speak, the cadence with which they speak. If they use a lot of filler words, just so I know what I'm in for, I mean, and if you're not familiar with that's like, you know, that kind of thing. And I think once you've listened to them, you also have a better sense of who they are and how they communicate. And that's extremely helpful. The other thing that I know has been helpful is editing myself, because once you've heard how many filler words you use, you stop using so many. <laughs> you don't want to edit them out and you become more aware of it. Well, one of the reasons I love talking with you is there's so many pieces of advice that we give that are the same. Like, listen to yourself. So practicing doesn't just mean talking. It also means playing it back and listening. And don't take it personally. Your content is not you. We actually talked about this last week in the episode with Alex Perry. Your content is not you. If you get feedback about your content, it's a skill that you're learning. It's like learning to play baseball. 
you get better at it with practice. And so definitely listen and make note of how you can change and improve the content. And I love the advice about listening to interviews with the person. I actually love to listen to interviews to decide if they'll be a good guest because I want to know their vibe, their chemistry, their energy, their personality that really only comes across in those kinds of conversations. Even if they give the best TED Talk, they may not be the right kind of person for me to talk to. Right. And, and there's a couple things there is I also... I'm not a big fan of having people come on that just want to promote something. And I've had a couple of those interviews where they show up and I understand there's some people that get coached to do this and I'm not trying to make it bad or wrong. I don't like this particular kind of guest on my own show, which is, oh, if you come to my program, if you read my book and this and it's constant and throughout. How do you do that? Well, you can read my book to find out. Okay, but could you tell our audience a little bit of information? Well, it's in my book. Well, what if they don't read your book? Well, then they can come and pay for my coaching program. Well, that's completely useless to my audience. I wouldn't publish it. It's not fair. Right. And to weed out some of those people, when I get a pitch from someone that I don't know or from a rep or an agent that I don't know, I think this is also solid advice. Listen to a couple of interviews or just little bits of them. Also visit their Instagram. Are these folks promoting anything other than themselves? <laughs> Let's just be honest. Are they mentioning when they've been in shows. And I think you'll get a sense of who they are before you either pitch to them or accept to have them on your show. So this is great advice about recording. What else should people keep in mind in that recording phase? I guess one thing is you can record in person or remote. And right now with COVID, there's lots of reasons to record remotely. Again, we're really sticking to the non-technical parts, but there are, are there any other tips before we move into part two of this interview? Sure. I mean, one of the ones I love and how I started my own show. Again, I'm not trying to promote myself, though, folks. <laughs> By the way, if you listen to my show. No, no I'm going to give you the If you have any right questions now. about this. Yeah, just listen to episode. No. One of the things that I teach, too, is when you start out, and I think this Wait, is, is this in the course? How much does this course cost? <laughs> this knowledge is it's just gratis. I want you to wow. succeed. I know. I really recommend that people, no matter if you're a small, like a solo person starting or you're a brand, my guess is whoever your host is, whoever's doing the interviewing, probably knows five to 10 people that apply to your topic, your theme, whatever, whatever your show is going to be about. Kind of like you said, start with an interview that's a test. Why not invite, you know, five or 10 people as your first guest that you already know you can have a great conversation with? Because what I find is interviewing is hard <laughs> sometimes, especially when you're new at it. You don't have your handle on what it takes to rein somebody in and to guide a conversation and to land it. <laughs> Reining people in is the hardest. And by the way, I was going to push back because I was going to say some of the most difficult interviews I have are with friends because I have sort of like I have it clear in my mind the information we need to convey. And it's much harder to redirect somebody that you know and you like and you're used to talking to. That's not a comment about our current conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could be true too. And maybe that's just something to notice. Maybe don't pick someone that like is prone to talking over you all the time. Like, you know, pick and choose. But I think it's a nice way, at least invite the people that you feel like 
I'm going to have a great conversation no matter if we use it or not. My first guest was someone who we'd been roommates at grad school. She's amazing. And I did the research. Here's the other thing. Even if you think you know everything about someone, research them before you go for an interview and you will be surprised. You'll find out things that you had no idea they'd done <laughs> every time. I did happened. not research you, by the way. <laughs> did you um, research me? No, I didn't. <laughs> but the first times, I mean, I also have a confidence. But in I will add. So, you know, this is where I think you and I, we like to have these conversations and we do them live a lot because we have different takes on these things. And one of the things I like to recommend is in that first interview or in the first couple of interviews, maybe you not only say, can you be on my show? But I would even say to a few friends, can I do a practice interview with you? It probably won't make it into the show. If I get good at it, we can do a real one later. The other thing is that a conversation is not an interview. Oh, yes. I think we had a Twitter back and forth on this, too. Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. And, you know, there's a third party in the interview, which is the audience. And really, it's primarily for their benefit. And so now, look, it depends. Everything is it depends. So it depends on the type of podcast. This one, again, you and I are not talking about a lot of the hilarious things that we would be talking about if the audience was not there. We're trying to convey some information that we have. And so thinking about what is your podcast? Is it just those fun personal conversations? Or is there a topic or a piece of information? Or if it's stories, you know, are you bringing them in some kind of a story arc that gets people curious and engaged? There is more to it. And if you want to do it well, can be really intentional about how you design those conversations or those interviews in a way that you wouldn't if you're just talking with a friend. Yes. Amen. And I am a big fan of the arc. <laughs> what you just said, even interviews, solo shows, whatever it is that you are creating, think of the beginning, middle, and end. Where are you taking the audience on this? Because it gets kind of Dickinsonian, meaning Charles Dickens, foreshadowing is what I'm talking about. You already know, you've done the research, you already have the map, but the people who are listening don't know that whatever it is you want to reveal. And so I think it's really important to be super intentional and I mean, approach it as that you're introducing them to someone. How can you make that person shine? How can you make the audience super interested? You know, because the truth of the matter is when you make a guest shine, then they're more likely to share said episode. And when you take your time to make it a craft, your audience is more likely to listen as well. And of course, I have my take, which is I don't care how the guest feels. I mean, sometimes I care how the guest feels because that will get the most for the audience. But it's not about what the guest wants to talk about. Right? That's not the point of my show. The point of my show is what you, the listener, want to hear. Sometimes those are the same. And if I pick the right guest, that's the same. But, you know, I, I hear what you're saying in terms of growth of your audience. There's certainly a benefit to having a happy guest and having the guest share it. And in fact, many people have a podcast simply for the networking. And look, I don't want to piss off any of my guests. I love my guests. I only invite people that I admire on my show. But... I'm always primarily trying to think about how that conversation serves 
the audience. And speaking of which, speaking of which, we've covered so much stuff. Like, I'm actually afraid we might be overwhelming people with this amount of information. So I think it's probably a good time to wrap up and then move over. And would you like to tell them how they can find the episode on your show? Sure. Part two will be over at Joy of Podcasting. You can find those links over on paulajenkins.com or joyofpodcasting.com. We'll redirect you over there. And we'll see you on the flip side.